Hello there. This is Pastor Daryl. Before we begin today's episode, there are a couple of things I wanted to cover. Uh, first off, towards the end of my sermon on Sunday, uh, somebody came into our foyer and screamed. Uh, and you'll hear that probably, and you'll hear our response because we weren't sure what was going on. Uh, so we uh, took cover and, uh, and assessed the situation. Um, and she realized it was just some teenagers uh, acting foolishly. Um, and meanwhile, in, in the chaos of all that, uh, I turned on and turned off and then got confused. I, I thought I had it on when it was off and vice versa. Um, so towards the end of the uh, sermon, you'll, it'll, it'll just kind of not be very valuable to you, I assume. Um, <clears throat> so just so you know what's going on. And by the way, we're all safe. Everything was fine. Um, the second thing I wanted to uh, ask of you is uh, we're always uh, careful about the, the funds that the Lord gives us uh, for ministry. And this podcast costs money. Um, and for some reason, we've noticed a dramatic drop uh, in our listenership. And I'm not sure if uh, the tracking program we use, it, there may be a bug. I, I don't know. So if you could do me a favor, if, if, you were, if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, would you mind sending us an email at servantsheartchapel.com? I'm sorry, servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. So that's servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Uh, or you can go to our website, servantsheartchapel.org, and there's a way to contact us there uh, directly on the site. Uh, either way is fine. But just let us know, hey, I'm listening, uh, and uh, that way we have an idea that uh, of what's going on with that to help us decide whether or not we should continue putting funds uh, into this particular ministry. Um, so that's everything. Thank you so much uh, for your time. I hope this episode is a special blessing to you. And here we go. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. Praise the Lord. I don't know how much I'll get through this chapter today. I'm going to check myself. I don't know if there's a lot in this chapter, a lot, a lot going on, what Jesus is doing. It's important to cover it. So I'm not going to rush through anything. So when we get to, if we get to stop point at 30 minutes, then that's where we'll cut it off at, and I'll finish it up next week. But I want to tell you today, this I want to first proclaim one of the reasons that we are Christians. If you ever, you know, you ever thought about why am I a Christian? People ask you, why are you a Christian? And the truth, one reason, there's many reasons, but one reason is Jesus makes everything better. 
And Jesus makes everything better. And we're going to see in this chapter on several occasions how Jesus took something and made it better. Starting off with how Jesus leads us from failure to success. Jesus leads us all from failure to success. Begin with verse 1 in chapter 5 of Luke. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word. Where they were pressing in to hear. Kind of got the missing I attended a funeral. And uh, there was an out, the outdoor part. And and we were, the, the, the assistant pastor began to talk. And, and he was kind of an undercover. And it was kind of windy outside. And it was hard to hear him. And everybody started coming in tighter to catch what he was saying. And so I can kind of see that the crowds doing this. They wanted to hear God's word. How much effort do we put into learning God's word? The amount of effort you put into learning God's word is a good litmus test on your spiritual health. How much are you pressing in to hear God's word? And we've had some, you know, someone was a new Christian, and they and they wanted to soak up God's word like a sponge. They asked a thousand questions and wanted to meet with me besides the church service, besides the Bible study. They wanted to meet other times to talk about God's word. They just couldn't get enough. They asked all kinds of questions. And they really thought about things and, and applying it to their life. And but over time that person began to grow cold towards God. And didn't a- and stopped asking for those extra times to talk. They, they were just satisfied with the Bible study in church, which is fine. <clears throat> but then they would miss Bible study. But then they'd miss church, and then I'd ask them, how, how are you doing your personal devotions? Oh, it's been a while. They had lost that hunger for God's Word. People were pressing in to hear God's Word, according to Luke here. Uh, he, was, he was standing by uh, the Sea of Galilee, Verse 2, he saw two boats at the, at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So the boats were, were docked there and, and they were washing their nets out. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. So Simon did as he was asked. And, and Jesus sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. So the crowds were pressing and you kind of need to give yourself some space. When sp- this is why platforms are, that's why there's a space here. Because it gives my voice a chance to project. And I'm a little higher than you if we had you know, a bunch of people here. You know, if I was here, there might be somebody in the back who's having trouble hearing me. But you know, a little bit back. And, and so Jesus did the same thing. He, 
he had Messiah push out, so he's a little ways from the shore, and that kind of gave this amphitheater effect to the crowd, and he could he could preach to the crowd that way. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus was asking Simon to trust him and follow that trust with obedience. Did you know that trust and obedience go hand in hand? We don't trust God. Some, when we have trouble trusting God, it almost always results in a disobedience. I, I'm not going to do this, Lord, because I don't trust that you're going to take care of things. Has Jesus ever or is he now calling for you to drop a net in your life? Do something you're, you're uncomfortable with doing? You don't think there's much value in it? Peter didn't do that. We see in verse 5. Master, Simon replied, you, you, we've worked all hard all night long and caught nothing, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. It's a lot of work letting down the nets. They're heavy. It's a lot of work pulling them up again. And plus, they, I'm assuming he just washed them. So now they're getting grubby again and create more work for himself. But Jesus had, had Simon go back out in the water and, and drop a net. The, the place where he had, he had found so much failure, he'd been fishing all night, didn't catch anything. Exhausted. They were probably about ready to go home. But they, they hung around because they wanted to hear this guy speak. Discouraged? Sometimes God calls us to our place of failure. To deal with it. And it's uncomfortable because we've failed before, God. I don't want to think about it. He calls us to that place. Some people give up and run. They don't want to deal with that. They don't want to go to that, that place of failure. I was counseling one man. He, he wanted to meet with me all the time. And, 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 and he wanted what God wanted. And after a while, it finally came to light that this man had a problem with pornography. And you know, suddenly, he was having trouble coordinating his schedule to meet with me. Didn't really happen again. And he always said, oh, I'm sorry, I've been so busy. And it wasn't that. It was he had let it slip that he had a secret sin, a failure that he was not willing to. To deal with. God was calling him to a place of failure 
and he didn't want to do that. Verse 6, when they, when, when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. This place of failure that they went to, um, you know, God gave them victory. And it's an abundant victory that so many fish that it was tearing the nets apart. Can you believe this? Is Jesus asking you to do something today? Has he been asking you to do something? Are you hesitating to do that? Are you afraid of failure again? If you trust Jesus, you will not be disappointed. Say, God, I failed this before. I'm going to give it in your hands. If you trust Jesus, you will not be disappointed. He will give you victory. Verse 7, so they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. They couldn't even lift the nets out. They had to call other boats to help them lift. And they came and filled both boats so full as the boats began to sink. When God gives us victory, he gives us victory. Once-in-a-lifetime haul, I can imagine. Probably nobody in this had ever seen anything like it. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. Boy, Peter knew his sinfulness, the sinfulness of his heart, and it's... Before Jesus. And he was embarrassed and ashamed. Ashamed. Verse 9. For he and all those who were with him were amazed. You know. I'm so glad Jesus didn't grant that request. I'm glad that Jesus didn't turn away and, and turn and walk away. Maybe there's times in our lives when we've sinned, just obvious sin, no excuse at all. We've sinned against God. We've fallen from His grace. We've done great, horrible things. And, and, and we feel like we don't deserve any more blessings from God. Sometimes that happens in a, in a, in a Christian's life. I don't think I have any more blessing from the Lord and ask God to depart. But Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 10, and, and so were they were amazed, and so was James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. 
Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. Isn't that nice? You know, Jesus calls us out of fear. We have a lot to be afraid about right now, don't we? But Jesus calls us out of fear. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. Fishers of men. Catching people, and we, we realize later that it's about the, the fishing for men was about witnessing, about sharing what Jesus did for you in your heart, in your life. Story about a recluse uh, who uh, didn't really associate with anybody, just lived his life, he earned his money, and he died. And after he died, they went through his house. Uh, to clean it out, and they found 246 very expensive violins. He had hoarded them. No one got to hear uh, their, their music. I assume he played violin. He kept it to himself. He never shared his skill with the violin, shared that joy, shared that music in his life. He just kept it to himself. Some Christians are like that. They keep it to themselves. They don't tell anybody about what Jesus did for their heart. Save them from sin. Don't talk about that at all. Don't talk about how, how God gives them wisdom day to day. How God leads them. How God helps them. Don't talk about that at all to anybody. I, I know a man. Knew him for years. And I thought he was an agnostic. And so finally one day I asked him, I said, so are you agnostic or atheist? Or? And he's like, no, I'm a Christian. I said, really? I didn't know that. Had no idea. He was a moral man. He didn't. As far as I knew, he didn't live in deep sin about it. He, 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 but he, he indicated all that he believed in God. I never knew. I knew this man for many, many years. Never knew he was a Christian. That's not good. Jesus wants us to be a light for him to those around us. You catch people. <clears throat> Verse 11, then they uh, brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. How about that? You know how long I, I read that? How many times I missed? I, I read that passage and, and missed the significance of it. I guess when you, I mean, some stories you grew, I grew up hearing, I just don't think about it. But this is profound. They just had the whole of a lifetime. They're about to make a ton of money.
flood the market with fish. The wives get new dresses. And they get that new knick-knack that ancient fishermen always wanted. I don't know. But they left it and followed Jesus. Does Jesus call you to leave anything? Maybe some sin in your life, maybe an idol, maybe friends. A lot of times someone becomes a Christian, God call God calls them out of the friends that they've been hanging out with. Or even family. My a lot I've known a lot of young people whose parents weren't Christians and would 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 berate them and give them a hard time and harass them because they've been Christ they became Christ followers. Adu- you know, these are young adults and they want a relationship with their mother or father. But in order for that to happen, they have to reject Jesus. <clears throat> That's why Jesus said, whoever doesn't love less mother, father, brother, sister, can't be my disciple. A lot of people love their their, their, their friends and family too much. I mean, they become gods to them. And, and and they serve nothing else but their spouse or their or their daughter or their son or their parent. Their family. A lot of people tell me, "Oh, you know, Pastor Daryl, I, I wish I could have been in church, but my my family member needed me for this or that." Get that a lot. So the devil's going to use family members for as, as long as it works. The devil's going to keep using it. Verse 12. So after Jesus called the disciples, while he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a serious skin disease all over him and leprosy. He saw Jesus, he saw Jesus, fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Talk about humility and faith. This guy had nothing to lose. He fell down before Jesus and said, You can make me clean, Lord, if you will, if you want to. Boy, if more people would do that, we would see such a transformation in our community. 
Lives change over and over and over again. Care about how foolish he looked. He believed that Jesus could heal him. And ask if you're willing. God's not always willing to heal, is he? What's going on? Hey! Get down. Oh. Foolish kids. I think all right. The devil will do whatever he can to distract us. Where was I? If you're willing, you can make me clean. There we go. Yeah. Just foolish kids. Now I'll be praying for that young man. He doesn't know what he got himself into. All right. Back at it. What about when God doesn't heal us? Here's what I've learned. Number one. Trust the Lord. He has your best interest in mind. And if he says no to healing, I don't, you know, we've been praying for, for uh, Brother Daryl. Um, I don't know what the end result is going to be. If he does have uh, pancreatic cancer, then he has about, on average, about a 9% chance of survival five years in, five years into it. Um, If God doesn't heal Daryl, God has Daryl's best interest in his family. He has all their best interests in mind. I believe that. That's what God's proven to me, that God cares about us. And if he lets bad things happen, there's a good reason for it. And if we knew the truth, if we knew the whole story, behind the reasoning behind God's decisions, we, I'm sure we would go, yep, 
I think I would rather go through that than the other alternatives. So trust him. And then also lean on him. You're not meant to go through any burden on your own. We are not designed for that. That whole thing that, you know, God doesn't give us more, I, I, I'm sorry? Give us more than we can handle. That's not true, actually. The Bible is full of examples of God giving people way more than they can handle. But there's a reason behind it. God doesn't want you leaning on your own ability. He wants you to trust him and lean on him. And finally, focus on the blessings in your life. Even the most, the person with the, the, the worst scenario still has small blessing, moments of joy. <clears throat> moments of joy. They find ways. You find ways. I mean, I've read many stories about prisoners of war, and they would find creative ways to find these moments of joy. Like the guy who sat in solitary and, and he didn't want to lose his mind, so he began imagining machines, starting with a bicycle. And just imagining all the gears and how everything would get together. And, and he be, oh, slowly imagined more and more complex machinery. And by the time he got released, he went and became an engineer. Very skilled. Or the, or the man, the POWs, I can't remember which book it was, but one POW had gotten a copy of a book. And, and using tap code, we have a certain number of taps for a letter. Using, using tap code transmitted the entire book to the other cellmates that can hear the tap code. So they'd listen and hear the story. Moments of joy in, in the worst of environment, no matter what you're going through, you can find those blessings. Ask God to give you eyes to see. Um. Verse 13, reaching out his hand, he touched him saying, I am willing, be, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. That reminded me of hymn number 348. He touched me. Because the healing can not just be necessarily physical healing, but spiritual healing and healing. And we know God is always willing and able to, to heal us spiritually. God 
wants us to be saved. God wants us to live holy lives. There's no benefit to us to live unholy lives. So unlike physical challenges, God wants to touch us. Shackled by a heavy burden, Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. We also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.